Hey, Pat Bev Podcast with Roan listeners. You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea, and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team, and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it, because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and Hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend, and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days, and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. That's why I say to young people all the time, trying to be cool. If you're trying, then you're not cool. Cool is not trying. You're just who you are. And I hope you like me. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to say mean things to you. If I had one rule in life for everyone's behavior, it would be just don't be mean. If you would just think for a second, just don't be mean. Who's not going to like you? Pat Bev Pod with Roan. Roan. And, and man, what a crazy what's, week it's what's been. Up? What's up, King? What's up, Legend? How are you, buddy? Bro, I, I'm not the legend this week, bro. You're the legend this week. The, the, the things that I watched literally had me at my home standing up screaming. Like You text me after the game. Yeah, I don't even know if the, the, the game was, I was over hyped. yet. I was hyped. I was hyped to see your name through the through the text here. It's been a good week, Ron. No complaints. Yeah. Been great you've been, energy. You've great been, energy. You've been doing a lot. And two double doubles in eight games? Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Filling out got, the stat sheet. Yeah. I mean, I can I can rebound it. You know, I don't have Russ, Anthony Davis, LeBron. You know, a lot of guys who get a lot of rebounds, you know. Uh I can get back to my natural habitat of rebounding, rebounding and pushing. So, but offensive rebounds too, though. Yeah, I mean, but you got to think, like a lot of people don't talk about it. You can ask every team in the NBA historically. I'll probably, historically meaning like in the history of the NBA, I'm probably the best offensive rebounding point guard that's ever played. That, like, And those are facts. Let's fucking go. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that though. So like, you know. What's, shit like that. what's the key to uh, your rebounding success? I remember listening to, what was it, like the, the Bulls documentary and Dennis Rodman. Nah, mine is bouncing off the rim. Yeah, that same shit. Same shit. B- bounce off the rim. But if you hoop long enough, you kind of know, you know, what type of spin a motherfucker got. You know, okay, their back rim going to be a little long. You know, they shoot a, they shoot a midi. Usually mid-ranges ain't that short. They're usually long. So their back rim, which means this missed shot from that, it probably go to the free throw line. Oh, this bum-ass nigga can't shoot. 
He probably be nicked the front of the rim, so his shit gonna be short. You know, a little shit like that. And your patience on your jump is also super impressive. No. Uh, just like I, I, I forget it was. I, I think it was in the Rockets game. Like somebody's shot went off the top of the backboard or whatever. But I was just waiting. I was just kind of watching you as a rebounder. But it's like you're just waiting to charge up. And like you're you're not jumping like whoever you were jumping with like jumped as it went off the backboard like you have yeah. extraordinary patience as far as when to actually go for the rebound. So at, so you got to think before I mean that's again stuff that you know people don't see warming up. You got to think every game for like the last I don't know seven years of my basketball my NBA career like last seven eight years before I go on the court I do a reaction reaction test guy with a small tennis ball that has a, a bunch of half a ball's on there. So it's like, a you know, you, you throw it in front of you and it bounce that way. You throw it in, on this side, it'll bounce up. So I do a drill where a guy's behind me and he's just throwing it off the wall. You know what I'm saying? I throw it off the wall, it hits the floor, and I react to where the ball goes after it hits the floor. You know, so like, I think that's, thing, that's all reaction shit. Yeah, it's... But that's trained. That's trained. That ain't something that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I work on that shit. And yeah, to be the best of all time at something is yeah. kind of fucking sick. Not yeah, only sick. was... The Rockets game, an incredible homecoming. Well, we could stop mm-hmm. there for one second. We'll stop off at the Rockets game. How was it All to right. be back in Houston? After you hit that last three, that's basically what I texted you, like, and what made <laughs> me stand up and scream. When you hit that last three, go down to the other end of the court, and you're talking to the crowd. Like, you're no. chin out, woofing at these people, just mm, absolutely talking your shit. What were you saying? Yeah, it's my shit. <laughs> It's my city. For real. I'm in blood, sweat, and tears in that city, man. Me and James Harden, Chandler Parsons that first year, but me and really James. Like, man, we was there, what, five, six years. Young catch, youngest team in the NBA. Team ain't made the playoffs in 10, 12 years. You made the playoffs every single year. <laughs> Lit. Western Conference Finals. Lit. Turned the whole franchise around. You know, like, that shit was lit. That shit was lit, man. We had that city turned the fuck up. You could tell that it meant something age. more when you were playing yeah, th- playing against yeah, them. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a vibe. All the fan was there. Chicago fan was there. My daughter, she right behind me. You know, I'm, and I'm at the end of the game, I'm telling her, like, hey, you see what he did on pick and roll? She said, yeah, yeah, he went under. So when they go under, you make sure you squeeze that motherfucker. Don't be, shoot your shot. So, yeah, it was a whole vibe, man. I got a chance to sleep in my Big ass house in Houston, stuff in my own bed. My mom cooked me chicken noodle soup. I mean, I'm. What do you want from me, wrong? Did you see your horses down there? No, I didn't. I didn't see Snickers. I didn't see Snickers. I didn't. Don't think I forgot you have horses down in Houston. Yeah, I'm living, living large. Hey, but. No, I ain't going to say that. I'm going to hold my tongue. You have to say it now. I'm going to hold my tongue. What? That's not what we do here. I know, but we got we got to get some more wins. So I don't want to. Okay, know. let's get some more. Let's get some more wins. But it was clear in Houston that your Chicago Bulls teammates were super excited for you. Yeah. Like they came off the bench after you hit that. You're down the yeah. other end talking your shit, and the whole yeah. team's like, "Ah, oh, Pat." Yeah, hey, right there. That shit was fire as hell. The energy of the Bulls has been refreshing and like satisfying. Like a, like a. I don't want to put nobody because I don't think they are uh, like a proper wild. Mm. Exactly. Refreshing, fresh, satisfying, natural. Yeah, yeah, you know, like natural. 
Extremely so, natural. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, yeah, man. Chicago's been a vibe, man. The team, the team, the organization, man. The, the coaching staff. The, I mean, everything, man. It's been a vibe. I've been, I've been really happy, bro. I've been real happy, man. Yeah, I think that that game against the Rockets was to me even more exciting than a more impressive win against the Nuggets. But the fact that you came <sighs> back against the Rockets, but like. The Nuggets are the number one seed in the West. Yeah, dispatch them. But you got to think. What you got to think? Like I think I seen some crazy stat. Like Bev, Caruso, you know, DeRose and Levine, Vooch. Like the, you know, net rating is like number one. Defensive rating is like three. Sheesh. Right. You know, like obviously, you know, when you're not playing well, people like to kick you, and you know, when you're down, but like. You know, you got something good to go. A lot of people don't follow him like two mile horn. I understand it's early. It's only been eight games, but uh, it's been it's been fun here, man. It's been fun. We've been prepared every single game, super prepared. You know exactly what we wanted to do. Like I say, Billy D, I mean Billy Donovan, man, his coaching staff, man, are they are uh, they are elite, man. And you know, young guys should appreciate that. Uh, you've officially as of we're recording this right now would be in the play-in so that's where the direction you want to be going against but one thing that's not an opinion and one thing that's definitive mathematically is that you've unlocked something in Zach Levine's game because (sighs) since the all-star break he's burning it up he's scoring at a crazy clip you could tell his confidence is really where it's supposed to be um yeah, he cold. That motherfucker's cold. And I told him, I told him, I knew, I knew Debo, I knew Demar. You know, I've been knowing him actually longer than any NBA player I've ever known. You know, I've been knowing Demar since I think I was a freshman in college. He was a senior in in high school, so we've been we go back since then. But like Zach, hey, this motherfucker's cold. Hey, wrong. Like cold. Cole, I'm calling other motherfuckers. I'm calling other people like, hey, yo, like other NBA players, like, hey, yo, uh, exact hey, cold, bro. And motherfuckers like, yeah, man, he cold. Like, nah, he is cold. He is so nice and is so effortless and it looks so nice. I'm not doing anything but just telling him, keep being aggressive. Like, I, we watch the film. We, we're on the plane. We watch him film. I think he went over the screen. He ain't seen nobody. He pulled up three. Ah, right, why you pull up three? He, because nobody was there. Ah, right, okay. That's one way to look at it. And the other way I look at it is you just got nine layups. Go get another layup. Because they give you three, don't mean you have to take three. You got nine layups. Go take two more. Miss, miss two in a row before you take another three. You know, like if the defense is giving you layups, take layups. If they're giving you mid range, take mid range. And they're giving you trade ball. Take trade ball. Like, you know, just don't take shit because you want to take it. Take what the defense gives you. You were hitting some. Man, my foot. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know. You're hitting but, some no, trade balls too, though. though. Not to cut you off, nah. but I mean. Yeah. Your confidence yeah. is there. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. It's been a vibe, man. It's been a vibe. Billy D's great. He's great. He's great. How's Bobo? He's great. That's my dog. So a lot of people don't know the story. You ready? So story, you know, story time. <laughs> Yeah, we need a sound effect story, for story yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I made that up. Take that from me. Story time. Okay, here we go. Story time. Um, I'm freshman of the year in the SEC. 
I'm freshman of the year. I'm newcomer of the year. Uh, All-American, second team, or first team. I think me, Steph, KD, we all on the first freshman team with some shit like that. Pretty good. Uh, solid. Solid. I get invited to try out for the under-19 USA team. On that team back in the day was me, a guy named John Porter. He was a little small guard, went to Oregon. Michael Beasley, uh, Johnny Flynn, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Matt Bolden, Steph Curry, Dante Green. Like, so we had a, we had a bunch of, no, 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 sick team. All right. So team, make team, you go to Dallas, make final Dallas, woo, 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 woo. This team, we practice, we play in Dallas. This team has to go to either it was somewhere in Serbia. I don't know the the exact city. But you have to go for under-19 against France, against uh, Serbia, against, you know, all these other countries, you know, and hold it down. So in our group, we obviously we have France, Nicholas Batum. So me and Nicholas Batum been knowing each other again since we were 19. And in the Serbian, it's this big-ass motherfucker that, I ain't never seen before, but just was like <laughs> big as hell. And I'm like, bro, I ain't never seen a man this big, bro. Ah, hey, what's up? He, hello. Ah, my name Pat, bro. Like, nice to meet you. He, Bobby. Ah, nice to meet you. He, after game, you guys want to do some, some, some. He was just always nice, though. Yeah. Since 19, like we were 19, like 19. We were 19 years old. That's so crazy. I'm I'm 34 now. Yeah. And obviously my, my walk through Europe, I see Bobby on different teams and different stuff like that. And it was always like, we always connected. We always say what's up. We always knew some of the same people. We kicked it. Like, oh yeah, Bobby, that's my man. That's like my, like, like my dog, like my dog dog. He seems universally loved. No, 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 no. He is a great human being. And it's like, he, he like, Pat, you know, I'm the only person from my, my village this size. Everyone else, short. And he's telling <laughs> stories about, but you got to understand, like, Bobby ain't got no, like, he was a teammate of mine, too, with the Clippers. Right. So, so like, Bobby has no body fat. Bobby can put 225 pounds on a bar right now and lift that shit like it was Snicker bars. I'm talking about the man might be the strongest man in the NBA. No cap. Really? No cap. Zero cap. And he was in the John Wick movie. Like, he has that uh, villain build. Like, he's just, like, a, a massive. He but... bounce. He bounce again. He bounce. He bounce. <laughs> he bounce a bounce. He bounce again. He bounce. He bounce. Guys, say something. He bounce again. He bounce. Bobby's great. He's incredible. Uh, Well, from one universally loved guy to another one, we have a super exciting, cool, special, like seminal moment of an interview for this show. We have Jerry Springer coming on this show. Jerry, 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 Jerry. When I tell you that Jerry was like a massive part of my childhood, this dude, like, are. And, like, obviously he was better than all the other shows. Like, you watch, like, Maury is great, watered-down yeah. version of Jerry. Jenny Yo, Jones, yeah. watered-down. Ricky Lake, watered-down. Watered Sally Jesse, watered-down. The real only genuine article was Jerry Springer. Jerry. And we Jerry. got him right here on the Pat Bev podcast. 
Listen up, we've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest, and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. The Pat Bev Pod with Roan. And Wrong. of course, of course, the Bulls are doing fantastic right now in that 10th spot in the way to a play. And of course, Pat Bev has his best game as a Bull, 16 points, 10 boards, five assists and a win at Houston right after a win against the Nuggets. But this show is a special one for it's very us. special. one. This is very special. No. one. Like you look at Pat and I, and we're cheesing. We're just geeking out right now because no. we're joined by none other than the Jerry, Jerry, the, Jerry from the Jerry. eponymous Jerry Springer show. Judge Jerry, former mayor of Cincinnati mayor. and absolute luminary of my entire lifetime. Time, an honor yes. to speak to you, the man the himself, himself, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, yeah. Yeah, uh, man, uh, I'm a schlub that got lucky. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's all it is. That's all it is. Um, I uh, first of all, I, I should say to you while I'm while we're blowing smoke at each other, uh, let me say, you know what's amazing for me as just a regular guy fan. And I've met a few of them because I was, we were doing the show in Chicago during the Jordan era. So, you know, talk about being spoiled. You know, we had six world championships with what, seven, eight years. And, um, and I, and I said to some of them and I say this to you, Pat, rarely do you ever meet someone who of the 7 billion people on earth, you're like one of the top 20. Wow. It's like, it's, I mean, but that's true. Right. You know, I could be successful in my career, wow. but I'm never the best person on earth that ever did a talk show. Okay. So that, that's not measurable. Sports I don't know. Is one of the, sports is one of the few things. Cause no, that's a matter of um, preference. I really appreciate that. But sports is measurable. I was a friend, or still I'm a friend of Pete Rose, because, you know, we were in Cincinnati for about 30 years. And um, and I said to Pete when he, you know, broke the record, I said, do you realize there's no one on earth who ever got more hits than you? That's, and you live in our neighborhood. You went to school with us. You know, that's, Pat, when you're sitting at home alone, you got to take that in. That mm. is so incredible. And it's one of the few things where, as I said, it's measurable with athletes. And uh, it's the same thing with Johnny Bench and uh, 
whatever. There's some studs Man, out there. Yeah. Pat, do you ever think Man, about that? Do you ever think like, damn, I'm I, one of the top? I, I mean, yeah, I do. I do. I'm 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 very gracious, you know, like I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I'm talking about, I don't know what to say. Thank you, Ron. Right now, I cried, man. I got Jerry Springer, man. This man damn near raised me, man, without even knowing, man. <laughs> Only motherfucking father figure I had in the career was Jerry, man. You, oh. you understand? Like, that was that was, that was was our childhood, you know, whether it was drama or just advice on how you shouldn't do that and how you should do this. And, you know, just the love that he get from people, man. It's, this is, man, I... This is a good day for me, man. No, b- oh, besides are, the pod, it's so a good kind, day. You're so Pat. And, and, and that's the truth. Know, that's the always, truth. You know, people chant Jerry, Jerry. And uh, my wife now says they, at your age, they should start chanting your address so you know how to get home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, don't but even. No, you're with it. The worst part, the worst part was uh, I, I was at a Bears game several years ago at Soldier Field, when it was called that. And, um, you know, when you go in the men's room at a football game at halftime, you know, it's like 30 yards long. And there are 500 guys in there. Okay, so suddenly I get spotted as I'm heading to the urinal. 500 guys chanting as I'm trying to go. Jerry, Jerry. Man. That's pressure. <laughs> you know, I'm standing there and they're all looking at me and I'm, you know, at 79. How'd you perform? How'd you do? Well, yeah, it took me some time. It was a long performance. <laughs> and, oh, and then when I finally finished, there were cheers. And I said, I'm not shaking hands until I wash my hands. So, all right, all right. Real one. You're I know. I'm one. sure that both of you have gotten this. People wanting to take a picture with you in a bathroom is a weird thing. And it is. obviously it's nice and they mean well, but do you guys ever take the picture in the bathroom? Do you say like, hey, maybe we wait until we're outside or do you just yeah, ignore people? That's what, yeah, well, you know, you, you try never to be mean about it. You just say, hey, you know, let me finish up here and we'll step outside. You know, as soon as I step outside, stand there and we'll take some pictures. Yeah. And that's, it's never been yeah. an issue. Um yeah. You know, most people, Some people have understand. They just caught up in a moment, most people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that doesn't... It's exciting for people. But Jerry, what Pat was talking about, I, I'm Pat and I are the same age, 34 years old. And I think that we have a shared life experience in that, like he said, you raised us in some ways. Sick days, we're watching you. Days off, holidays, we're watching you. We're finding you even on multiple channels. Like you, you might be on channel seven at ten o'clock and on channel eleven at at, at twelve o'clock. And I'm going to find a way to watch both of those episodes. Do you have a sense of like generations that have came up under your under your tutelage? And what does that, that feel like? Well. Obviously, at this point, I realized that the the show, having nothing to do with me, just the show, was a cultural highlight. In the 90s, the show was incredibly popular. But the first time I realized that it was bigger than just me doing, because I was assigned to do the show. You know, there's no drama in this. I didn't audition. I didn't try out. I didn't beat out anybody. I had just finished 10 years as city councilman and being mayor and NBC hired me to anchor the news for 10 years in Cincinnati, which is what I did. The company that owned the TV station where I did the news also owned talk shows. 
They owned mm. Phil Donahue, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, a bunch of others. Phil was retiring. So the CEO takes me to lunch one day and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm being fired. And uh, <laughs> he says, look, you know, you're pretty dominant in the ratings. Phil's retiring. We're starting another talk show. You're going to host it. So I was assigned to it. Mm. And then, of course, you know, the rest of the show suddenly took off. So when I say, I'm not kidding myself, like I created this great phenomenon, I'm a regular guy, I think, that just is like everyone watching the show. And, you know, I always dressed in a suit. It wasn't like I was up there cursing. I wasn't in the mud fights. I was just up there watching with everyone else. And then I make jokes. I was paid to make quips, to make jokes. And uh, and then the show took off. So I am incredibly grateful, but it never really can go to my head. The first time I realized the show was bigger than just this is my job is two things. When we beat Oprah in the ratings and then when we were um, when I, we were on the cover of uh, Rolling Stone. Because I grew up with Rolling Stone as being my Bible. And, you know, to be on the cover <laughs> of Rolling Stone, I thought, oh, man, that's really cool. That's the really the first time that it sunk in that this is bigger than us. And But my life hasn't changed. I still have the same friends I had 50 years ago. And uh, I don't live in Hollywood. I don't know celebrities. Uh, I've always, you know, I, I was a kid living in New York. I... Uh, for 30 years lived in Cincinnati and was a politician there. And then um, Chicago with the show. Now I live in um, Sarasota. In other words, I'm not part of that. And I'm, I, I'm not looking down on them. It's just that it's not. You're a normal guy. Excite me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like you. I'm like every other guy. There's nothing special. I'm not the funniest one of my friends. I'm clearly not the best looking of my friends and um, I'm not the best athlete of my friends. So it's, I'm just one of the guys. Hey, Jeff, how's it going, man? <laughs> <laughs> like going back to the neighborhood. It, it, it's great. But we started to talk off air. Uh, you were starting to tell a story about how you wound up as a Yankees fan, because you were saying basically uh, it was the only show in town. Every other sport wasn't on television. You couldn't watch basketball and football on TV. Baseball was the only sport that was on television at the time. You lived in Queens. I didn't even realize that you were born in the London underground during World War II and then yeah. wound up in Queens at, at four. Yeah, at five. I was five. a, uh, yeah, I was a, uh, yeah, I was born in a bomb shelter. I was born during the war. The Not to bring the show down at all, but... Um, the sad part of the story is that most of my family was exterminated in uh, Nazi concentration camps. So we lost our family. Mom and Dan, dad survived two weeks before Hitler Sorry, goes into Poland to start Sorry, World War II, which was September 1st of 1939. Mom and dad got the 88th and 89th last visas, which permitted Jews out of um, Germany. And they got to England where a month later, my sister was born. And then also during the war, I was born. When I'm five, dad buys four tickets on the Queen Mary and we sail to New York. They don't speak English that well. And, uh, 
But here we are. So my first day to school in America, my mom dresses me in blue shorts, a jacket, a bow tie, a beret, and knee socks. And the kids beat the crap out of me because I had this bloody British accent. I mean, talk about not fitting in, you know, and then the next day and, and, you know, and, you know, my mom was, parents were getting concerned because they were running out of sons and I was running out of suits. So they, she goes upstairs. We lived in an apartment complex upstairs to David's house, who's in my class. And the parents, of course, thought, oh, what a cute little English kid. Uh, And my mom wanted to know. What was big in America for boys? Now, understand, in England, we never heard of baseball. Back then, they didn't have baseball in England. They hardly have it now, but they didn't have any baseball. So we didn't know anything. Mom goes to a department store in Queens, New York. It was Gertz. And she says in her thick German accent, uh, Gerald needs baseball outfit. It happened to be a Yankee uniform for a five-year-old. It could have been a Dodger, Brooklyn Dodger. It could have been a New York Giant, but it was a Yankee. Mom brings it home. We have no idea what this means. She says, Gerald, tomorrow you're wearing this to school. So I wear in the first grade this baseball uniform, to the Yankee baseball uniform to school. Nobody touched me. Back then in 1949, the kids loved it. Your own baseball uniform. Wow. Of course, I had no idea what they were talking about. So that was my love affair initially with the Yankees. And so I started learning about baseball. One more thing about New York. As I said to you before the show, every single year between 1949 and 1964, every single year, the World Series was in New York. It was usually the Yankees and sometimes the Yankees against the Dodgers, sometimes the Yankees against the Giants. And once it was the Giants against the Cleveland Indians. But so the first week in October, because back then the World Series, it was all day games. They didn't play at night. So and they had just come up with transistor radios. So the kids we all would bring our transistor radios to school. So at one o'clock in the afternoon, we would listen to the game. Well, of course, since we already had our transistor radios, we listened to what we thought was rock and roll uh, in the morning. Schools wouldn't have any of that. So the New York City public school system outlawed the transistor radios in school. And at one o'clock every day of the World Series, all kids would go to their homeroom and over the PA system, as you sat at your desk, you got the play-by-play of the World Series. Half the class Yankee fans, half the class Dodger fans or <laughs> Giant fans. It was like a holiday. It was the most amazing time. We just assumed that, you know, Baseball was a national holiday, that this is what you do. You play the World Series in New York. No one had any different idea. And uh, you were spoiled. That's why I became a Yankee fan. Yeah, we were. You were spoiled right away. Yeah, it's it's really not like that for most other sports fans. Like, we we don't. Chicago. Yeah, 100 years. (laughs) Yeah, it was tough in Chicago. That drought was tough. (laughs) We didn't even know what that was. Yeah. But, but but back then, I mean, it was all different anyway. Um, there were only, 
16 cities in America that had a baseball team. So the whole nation was divided up. So you had Yankee fans or Dodger fans or Giant fans all over the country, you know, because that was the only team they could root for. It was only, it was also the only sport on television. Uh, there was no basketball on television. There was no football on television, not until 1978, um, I'm sorry, uh, when the Colts and the uh, Giants played that memorable playoff game. Um, so there was no, and basketball wasn't televised at all. It was only baseball and boxing. I became in basketball. I loved the New York Knickerbockers. That's what they were called at the time. And my favorite player was Sweetwater Clifton. Mm. who his, he, he was a, a Harlem Globetrotter. And he became the first African-American to either sign an NBA contract or to actually play in a game. It's one of those two things. But he was, he broke the barrier. And uh, he was my favorite player. He was six foot eight. Strong guy back then when, you know, no one was six foot eight except George Mike in the center for Minneapolis Lakers, I think. Sweetwater um, Clifton is an incredible name, too. That's a great that a old great basketball name. Oh, that's a great Yeah. And he, 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 he <coughs> excuse me, it's pretty bad how they treated him. Here he was, a superb athlete. And the unwritten rule in his biography, we, I read about him. The unwritten rule was he wasn't allowed to dunk. Mm. They didn't want him, you know, uh, over showcasing himself versus the white players. So he wasn't allowed to dunk. That sounds like some white dudes who couldn't dunk that were making that rule. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a, he had to play guard and he, his shot was a two hand set shot. Picture this a six foot eight, incredible athlete. And with the Globetrotters, you can imagine how athletic he was. And he had to do a two-hand set shot. He wound up years later being a cab driver in Chicago. And I think he died at the age of 65. But uh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful athlete. It was also the first autograph I ever got. Shout out Sweetwater. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Yeah, hey, hey, Mr. Jerry, so I know you've been good. You've been real good under a uh, pressure situation. So I have a friend of mine, right? And yeah. I just need some advice, just like if you'll give anyone else some advice. I have a friend of mine who kind of put me in a, in a position. <clears throat> he called some other guys out their names, called them fat. But I have to see these guys most of the time. So they're looking at me like, you know, your friend called us these names. You kind of agree with them, like what, what? How do you think I should take that situation? You mean what you should say to your friends that are calling this other guy fat? 
Yeah, just calling him out his name. And fat might not be the you know the word I want to use on the show. Oh, but oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just he's he's calling them names, and I'm like, nah, you know, they're not this. They're they're nicer names, you know. And now I have to come and I see these guys. They're like, yo, what's up with your guys? That he calling us these names, like you know, and like should I should I apologize on his behalf? Because yeah, I feel like a grown man should apologize for his own shit. But yeah. I'm just trying to see how to handle this delicate situation. Well, I, I think the response would be, uh, as you say, the adult way to do it is, uh, look, I'm not signing on to that kind of to that kind of um, name calling or whatever. So I'm not interested in that. If you're asking me, it's wrong. You know, you're grown up. You're going to make your own decisions. But, you know, we're not 10 years old anymore. Right. We don't have to be calling each other names. It's kind of embarrassing. Right. You, right. You don't see fifty-five or sixty-five-year-old men going around calling each other names, except if your name's yeah. Trump. But yeah. um, or Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But you know, so sometimes you can <clears throat> just by not being confrontational, just pointing out how stupid it looks. You know, yeah, right, right. You're standing okay, there less. calling the guy a name. Wait, right. Jerry, I, I got I got a question. I got this friend who keeps on <laughs> he keeps on like asking for gifts. And it's like I feel like I've given this guy a lot of gifts, right? Like I bought him like a bunch of stuff, brought them to his house. Like he and he doesn't even use the gifts that I get him, but like he keeps on asking me for gifts. And I don't know how to kind of scratch that itch in uh, in this friend of mine that I have. Like, I don't know how to fulfill him when he won't even use the first gifts that I got him. So w- what should I do in that situation? Well, first is, you're my friend. We don't ask people for gifts. Mm. You know, maybe if it's your birthday and you're having a party and, you, you know, maybe you can expect that maybe he's going to bring over something, a couple of cigars. But, you know, what, who asks, oftentimes I find if you say to these guys, imagine it's your kid, your kid is saying, dad, uh, Bobby isn't bringing me any, a gift. I'm going to yell at him. You know, the father's going to say, no, you, you can't, you can't. Ask people. It's not a gift if you're demanding it. Okay? So if it's a gift and he gives it to you, thank you so much, but no one is owed a gift. Take care of yourself and each other. I like that. Oh, no. That's a, a mic drop. The take care of yourself and each other. The, each other. the, the absolute <laughs> wisdom. The wisdom. Beautifully said. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you write your own? Uh, did Did you write your own final thoughts? Yeah. No one was allowed to look at them. I mean, yeah, I wrote them. Well, the person who typed them up then looked at them, of course. But no, those were those were my. But I had been doing that for years because when I was doing the news for ten years, not only did I anchor the news, but I also did commentary. So every newscast, I had a two minute commentary. It was political, um, and. Uh, so I was used to doing that. So then when I got a show, they said, why don't you, you know, after all the chaos, since you're not part of the chaos, 
why not give your perspective at the circus that we've just observed? And uh, actually, that works pretty well because there's it has impact because the show is so crazy. They're sitting there with mud and whipped cream all over their bodies. And they've just been, you know, their clothing is torn. Their wigs are half off. And then I step up in a suit, sitting on a chair and speak to them as their professor, you know, if they were in school or if their minister would speak to them or whatever. In other words, the elderly, you know, and, you know, they're never, I never scream. I never yell. I, I never really curse. I mean, that's just, that doesn't make me better than anybody else. Because the truth of the matter, by the way, and this is a point worth making, and I say it often, I never, ever believe that I am better than any one of the guests on our show. I'm just luckier. I did better in the gene pool of parents. Uh, you know, I might have been born with good health, with a good brain, born in, a, you know, got to live in America. Uh, all these things, which as humans, we have nothing to do with. You know, these people that say, well, I made it. Why can't he? What are you talking about? You had nothing to do with the decision to be born. You had nothing to do with the decision to be born, to where you'd be born, in what century, in what country, with what kind of brain, what kind of health, what kind of uh, wealth in your family. None of it. From day one, you're handed a life. And so 1% is based on what your efforts will be then. But, you know, I could take Bill Gates, you know, generally recognized as one of the most successful Americans ever. If he had been born in Ethiopia, he would be dead by the age of five. So who are we kidding? We play this game like I'm better than these people. And, you know, people often say to me, you know, they watch the show and, you know, they thank God that's not them. Well, the truth is, it could have been you. You know, it really could have been you had nothing to do with the decision that it's not you. I had I got a friend and, you know, I've been I've been blessed to play this game of basketball for a ton of years through injury and out. But I have this friend who uh, I've, I've, I've met recently. And he's name dropped my name before, and he's name dropped my my name again. I don't know if, he, if he's like using my name to like build up his his uh, I don't know his viewing his profile. How how would I go about you know just just ask him about that? Yeah, I yeah. What are you t just ask in friendly way? Yeah, what are you telling people about how we know each other? Yeah, because he name drops, you know, he he, he yeah. does music. He likes he likes to put my name in this and he likes to put my name in that. Yeah. So if you're I'm trying, trying to, to sell a product, you tell him, don't use my name. Right. It's, it's not the truth. Mm, okay. You know? Now, if you and mm. I are working on a project and we really are in this together, that's fine. But you you can't just throw my name around and then all of a sudden my reputation is tied to whatever happens with this product with how you treat people, you know, just unless you have someone's permission, hmm. their name is who they are, you know? Right. Okay. That's, gotcha. that's wise. That actually kind of reminds me. I had this crazy 
this, I have this friend who, um, you guys have a lot of friends. <laughs> All right, the last one, last every, one. My, every sentence starts, I got this friend and I know, I know damn well. You're the friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's the goat. He's the goat. He's the goat. He is the goat. Jerry is the goat. Oh Go my god! Go I mean, my, my friend just told me that he was going to get me half court or courtside seats to a game, and then like I had to watch the game through binoculars and stuff like that. And so I just, uh, you know what I mean? I, what do you say to a friend who's in, in that situation? Just a final thought on that. Yeah. Courtside seats, though, Jerry. Courtside seats, he says. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently the court uh, is smaller than you thought. Because <laughs> <laughs> where we're sitting, uh, I can't see the players. Uh, you know, and, and just say to him, hey, guy, we're friends. You didn't have to tell me it's courtside if it wasn't. Okay. Right. Just look, look at the numbers and the letters on the ticket. Okay. <laughs> if it's. L forty seven, that's not courtside. <laughs> right. I felt like I was at Ebbets Field, Jerry. I was in the bleachers. Yeah. I was uh, <laughs> I was yeah. out I was out there. Um from one court to another though, you also spent some time uh, with, with your own court show. Um yeah. what what was it, what was that like? And uh how did how did one show's voice differ from the other how how was the transition from from doing one type of show to to another type of show what was your well, favorite well you know for 27 years i i did the crazy show so you know i have an attachment to that all the people i worked with the friendships the, you know so that's that's obviously special but in terms of a show i enjoy doing um being a judge was probably the only job I ever had that I was trained for because, you know, I graduated law school at Northwestern University in Chicago. No big deal. And pop, your, so pop, start- pop your shit, Jerry. Let them know. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah pop <laughs> so, your shit, Jerry. Yeah. So I, you know, I started out as a lawyer and that's, you know, that's what I thought I would, I knew I would go into politics first because I was at the time real active in the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement in the fifties and sixties. So that was my passion, but I knew at some point I would have to make a living. I thought I would wind up making a living as a lawyer. You know, you go to law school, you think you're going to be a lawyer. Um, that didn't turn out. It turned out that my living would be in television and entertainment and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I got a chance to actually use what I was trained for, that was kind of exciting. And particularly since I was already older, um, it kept my brain moving. You know, I really had to do the homework every night. On the crazy show, I never did any homework. In fact, there was no homework. For the regular show, the crazy show, I carried a card around, which you saw every day, you know, it said Jerry Spring on it. The other side of the card only had the names of the guests. That's all it had. So, cause I hadn't met them. So my job was to ask questions that you would ask sitting at home watching and then make some jokes. Um, which is why if you watch the show, every segment started out with me introducing the guests and then saying, so what's going on? They would start telling me their story just like if you're sitting at home watching, you say, well, what about that? And then I would have that kind of a question. 
and then off we go. And I try to think of some, some quip, some, something funny to say, but that's what I was paid for to come up with funny quips. Uh, but I never, there was no homework because I wasn't allowed to know what the show was about. That's, uh... The court show, I had, I got the cases because we did 25 cases a week, but we did it every other week. So the week that we didn't do the show, that's when they sent me the 25 cases so I could research them. And then when I studied them, then I was prepared to ask relevant questions when the parties were in front of me. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. One of the funniest aspects of the show wasn't just the humor that came from the people on the stage, nor was it the humor that came from you, but when you gave the audience a chance to ask these people questions. And I remember it to a word what was said sometimes. One time there was a carpenter up there and someone in the audience was like, I could see why the carpenter liked her. She's flat as a board and easy to nail. And it was just like <laughs> these like incredible quips that people were like ripping off all the time. Are there any lines that the audience said that stick with you, Jerry? Uh, probably not just because we did a million shows. Yeah, we, we did 5,000 shows and, um, so it's hard to say, but I knew that, you know, a lot of mostly college kids that came to the, to the show, you know, you know, they were sitting there thinking, oh man, when it comes time for questions, I got a good one. I got, you know, and they're talking to each other. No, I'll ask it. You ask that. You know, so, and that was, that was part of the party atmosphere. I mean, it really was. And we never had to worry about whether it crossed the line because we would bleep out bad language and we would digitalize um, nudity. So, if you were there, you saw everything and heard everything. But if you're watching at home, in fact, sometimes the show seemed to be boring. So we bleeped to make it look like someone had cursed. <laughs> so they'd just be making a normal conversation. We go, beep, beep. Go, wow. He's really ticked off. <laughs> hey, so, 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 so doing a live show, when I'm talking about they ripping off shirts, Titties is flying left and right. Yeah. Motherfucker getting slapped up in the head with some whoop cream. Midget over here to the left. What is going through your mind? What time does the bank close? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will I get there in time? No. No, I'm just being silly. Um, well, maybe in the very beginning, it was shock. But after a while, like everyone in the audience and everyone watching, you know, I knew exactly what the show was like. You know, you could get some of these very same people and put them on Oprah 
and they would have behaved. They wouldn't have cursed. They would have kept their clothing on. It's that when they came to our show, they already knew that it was a circus. And so that just freed everybody up to, um, you know, to go over the line. So basically, and remember, I'm, even when we started the show, I was 30, 40 years older than any of the kids on it or the people in the audience. So, you know, you start to have a perspective. It'd be the same thing if you're a judge. If you're a judge, you get to hear incredible stories, some of them incredibly violent and horrific. But you can't say, I'm not going to hear this case because I don't like what they're talking about. No, you're a judge. The case is brought before you and you got to hear all the details. So it's kind of like I knew that was my job. I was going to be presented with a crazy story with people that are acting inappropriately. And that was the purpose of the show. So I can't say, oh, oh, my gosh, what, you know. And uh, so I guess that's really what went through my mind. It wasn't really shock anymore. But there it, was a lot of ass whipping on that show. Oh my people gosh. were getting their ass beat the fuck up. <laughs> people come out swinging sometimes, like no words. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good dukes, good dukes. Yeah, they they. Uh, that's why I'm saying, Pat, you would have been such a good security guy. <laughs> oh. Pat, 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 Pat. No, yeah. I would have been sitting there watching that shit, Jerry. That shit was too intense, man. Yeah, yeah Pat, why aren't you intervening? He's like, Pat, Pat why do you have popcorn? Yeah. Man, that yeah. shit looked too good. That was man. Um, man so, that was really- but so I look at any TV show. Let's look at The Simpsons. The Simpsons in their first season is so different from where it evolved to in, say, the eighth season, South Park maybe, the way that it started off and then what it blossomed into, you know, 15 seasons later, it turns into such a different and, and bigger show. How did Jerry Springer's, how, how did your show start and how did it wind up with his its voice as the circus? Like you're saying it's a circus. Was it a circus from day one or did you evolve? No. And- yeah. Um, in the very beginning, I was kind of replacing, uh, the idea was to replace the kind of show that Phil Donahue was doing. Uh, so no, it was a serious show. It was... Uh, very political. You know, we had Jesse Jackson on, Oliver North, a bu- whole bunch of things. And um, and then one day, about two or three years in, we had a show uh, on the Ku Klux Klan. And they were there in their robes, et cetera. And people from the audience charged the Klan the Klan picked up chairs and a riot broke out. I mean, a full-blown riot. There was no security, no police officers. Whoever thought about a fight on a TV show? So it was 15 minutes of uncontrolled violence. So I'm assuming, hope no one gets killed. The show's over. You know, I'll go back to practicing law. This is not working. And. Uh, the next day, and finally the police came, et cetera. The next day we hired Steve, who Wilcox. was a Chicago, yeah, Wilcox, who's a Chicago police officer. And um, he brought a couple of his uh, 
fellow officers, you know, they have off-duty jobs. And that's how we started to have security. Then uh, we had, uh, so then there were hardly any fights. What was the ratings on that show, that Ku Klux Klan show? Was, you remember the ratings on that one? I don't exactly remember, but they did go through the roof that's- because it was a news story. You know, it was a new story. But nobody thought, oh, this is great. We all thought we we're going to be fired. I mean, think about it. You, you know, back then, television was very institutional. The idea that a riot breaks out at a show, you're not going to continue having that show. And uh, then along came Ricky Lake. And Ricky Lake, there were 20 shows at the time, including ours, they were all trying to go after Oprah's audience, which the demographic at the time was referred to at, as middle-aged housewives. And so uh, 20 shows trying to appeal to, you know, have a cooking segment. Uh, yeah, you cook Ricky Lake. You cooked her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was you cooked cooked well, <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> well, what happened then is along comes Ricky Lake, and she really had the first talk show that went after the kids. And when I say kids, I mean high school and college age. And I just thought I was walking down Michigan Avenue with a uh, executive producer of our show, Richard Dominic. And we were talking and I said, look, as a business model, why are we trying to be like Oprah and getting only one twentieth of the pie? Let's go after Ricky's audience, young people, and then we're going to much larger piece, much larger audience. So starting the very next day, we said from now on, only old people, excuse me, only young people in the audience, young subject matter, uh, young people on stage. And well, as you know, over a short period of time, young people are much more open about their lives, uh, much more willing to discuss what other people would think is embarrassing. Their language is much wilder, They're, you know, much more likely to fight. And so we started to get fights, not every day, but much more because we had a young audience. Universal then bought us and Universal said, from now on, you can only do crazy. In other words, if someone calls us with a warm, uplifting story, we weren't allowed to run it we had to give it to one of the other talk shows and each of the producers had a list of based on the subject matter, which show we should send it to. And so that was, that's how the show started going crazy. We can only do crazy. So every day when I walked in, you know, they never told me what the show was about, but I always knew they were going to hand me something crazy because that was the format. And uh, that's how it got to that. Shout out to Universal. Yeah, like how did you feel? How did you feel about the the directive from them that it was just going to be crazy? Was it something you were into, or did you want to tug at people's heartstrings? Uh, honestly, it never. I always separated my personal views, my personal politics, my personal philosophy from the business of doing a show. So I never got involved in producing the show. I never. You know, I was hired to do that. If they hired me to do a, bo- a show about basketball, every show I'd have a basketball player on. They hire me to do a show about 
dysfunctional behavior, every show I'm going to have someone who's dysfunctional. That was the job. And I, I never defined myself by the job. You know, I never thought, oh, I must be a crazy person. You know, it's just, that was the show. And that's why I say when it took off and got to be so popular, it was a surprise to me, but it wasn't like a feeling on my part of any achievement because I never suggested we do this. Um, you know, I try to be funny every show because that's what I was hired to do. You know, if, if they asked me to say things that I didn't believe that I wouldn't do that. Like if they interfered with my final thought, I wouldn't do that. They were never allowed to look at my final thought because that's me. And that's where you have your integrity. But just to do what, you know, if, if, if I'm an actor, you know, some great actors play bad people. You know, my job was to play a crazy host. Hey, look, so speaking of shows, me and my colleague of mine, we, we're trying to do a show later on in our young podcast careers. Do you think having a show with someone else is a good thing? You think it's a bad thing? And do you think two people can uh, hold the show from your experience? I think it's probably better to have another person. You can play off each other. The reality is because you're talking all the time that it's not a realistic load to be able to carry. There are going to be days that you're just down, you're in a bad mood and, you know, so. I'll send you the check later, Jerry. Thank you for saying yeah. that. That was the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't get anyone wearing a Phillies cap. But the, uh, Okay, Jerry, say less, say less, say less. Oh, he's out of there, Jerry. That's yeah. all I need to hear. Yeah. No, but it, 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 it's always better to have a sidekick. Uh, it just is. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done, I stopped doing it now, but I've done a podcast for eight years with a, my very best friend. And uh, for 40 years. And uh, and that works because it's just a natural, you know, we're not faking it. Right. Um, I could be Steve. I could be Todd. You know, I could yeah. be all these guys. Yeah. 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 Uh. No, it really is. The chemistry is better. If it's one person just pontificating, uh, you're going to lose an audience at some point. Just because you're going to have down days. Do you think that there's room in society or in broadcasting these days for like the ratchetness that your show brought, the rawness, the unfilteredness? Do you think that the Jerry Springer show could be started from scratch today? No, 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 no way. But it 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 it, it needn't be. Uh, I mean, today we have social media. Look at what the kids are doing on social media every day. Makes my show look like Mary Poppins. <laughs> I mean, you know, what are we talking about? It's like, there's, you know, there's nothing, nothing we ever did on our show. I'll say this, even before, our show was before social media. So that's what was so shocking. But even then, I never thought it should be that shocking. I always thought the prejudice against our show was based on we didn't like the people on it. We used names like they were trash. And 
It had nothing to do with the subject matter. You see, every late night show has celebrities on. And every one of those celebrities is talking about a book they just wrote about who they slept with, what their, you know, the drugs they were on, what their life was like. Uh, and we can't, uh, we can't go to their movies quickly enough. We can't buy their albums quickly enough. We can't, we cheer these people. We're huge fans. We hope they win the Academy Award. It's like, here's the dividing line. The argument against the subject matter of our show had nothing to do with the storyline because celebrities have met every one of those standards. It's that we only tolerate this kind of behavior if you're rich, famous, um, and uh, 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 um, I'm missing one of the words. But rich and uh, famous, that, that yeah, checks most of them. Uh, rich and famous. <laughs> oh, and beautiful. Mm. If you're rich, famous, and beautiful, nothing else matters. You can have gone through anything. And your fans will stick with you. The same story gets from some person from Arkansas that is of very low income, very little, if any, education, doesn't speak the Queen's English, or now the King's English. And we, you know, we look down at them. Oh, look at those people. They're trash. We can't, we, you know. And yet you suddenly turn on late night television and the stories are the same. It's, it's this snobbery. It's this, we really believe. How many times have you heard people, you know, who watch the show say, oh, thank God. Every time I watch the show, I say, thank God, that's not me. Well, it could be you. And it could be you, but for the grace of God. So just cool it. Um, totally. Um, yeah, that we we've taken up a, a lot of your time. I I got one more, Pat. If you if you have any more questions, uh, no, I actually one. Okay, so so this is this is my question. Through everything, every Make time, it a good one though. This is Jerry Springer. You're this, talking. I know, and that's why it, it, this means <laughs> a lot you to disrespect me. Disrespect Jerry on the show, okay? Through every time <laughs> that we've seen you on camera, you've been able to keep your cool, and it's not just like. The fact that you're a cool cultural icon for us, but you've been able to fly at your own altitude with no type of turbulence that has been able to knock you off your course. You've been completely composed within yourself through all of this, maintaining your sense of humor, maintaining your wisdom, but also maintaining yourself. Throughout all of this, throughout your entire career as a politician, as a broadcaster, as a TV superstar... How have you been able to keep your cool and what are some tips on that that the rest of us can can use? Authenticity is everything. You know, don't even concentrate on keeping your cool. You should just be who you are. You know, that's and in television it's interesting. The people that are successful in television, their successful ones are very authentic. If they're not, they're off the air in a year or two. And the reason is 
when you're on television, you are being stared at. For an hour, people are staring at you. When you meet someone in person and you're having a conversation with them, they're not staring at you. You know, they look at you, then they look down, they look to the side, they wipe something off their shoulder. You know, they're, they're just regular. But with television, everyone's staring at you. So it catches everything. You can't fake it an hour a day, five days a week. It's impossible. It's impossible. Actors do it because they play a role. They don't play themselves. But, you know, my advice, which has extends beyond um, show business and everything in life, just be authentic. Because then when people like you, they know they really like you, not someone you're pretending to be. Mm. You know, trying to, that's why I say to young people all the time, trying to be cool. If you're trying, then you're not cool. Cool is not trying. You're just who you are. And I hope you like me. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to say mean things to you. If I had one rule in life, for everyone's behavior, it would be just don't be mean. If you would just think for a second, just don't be mean. Who's not going to like you? If you're not, you know, if, if, if you're not mean, that's, you know, you don't have to, there, there are no lessons you go to for being cool. Incredible. Yeah, that that was beautiful. That's the legend uh, himself. Yeah, just great, great wisdom. Hey, why don't you join me? We'll be cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to be nice. Um, Jerry Springer. Je- yeah, man. Jerry Springer. Thank you so much. Uh, just a- an absolute luminary. Uh, just a- incredible wisdom. A- an incredible career so far. Can't wait to see what you work on next. Um, Jerry, I, I have no doubt Jerry, that it, it will be Jerry, absolutely fantastic. Jerry, and uh, Jerry, it's been a pleasure Jerry, seeing you uh, up close. Jerry, it's been a, a pleasure watching from afar. And thank you so much for, for being with us today. You guys are really great. I've had a great, great time. I'll come back whenever you want. Hey, hey we really appreciate that. We really do. Because we're trying to, we're trying to be... We're trying to do something special, me and, me and Rome. We're really trying to like take over the world, you know. Trying to do on a, on a, on a level the way you did it, but on some like just inspiring type of vibes, you know. I would I would just do one hemisphere at a time. Okay, all right. <laughs> Don't say bite less. off more than you can chew. Okay, okay got you. Say less. That's <laughs> <Actually>, great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you, Rome. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car on Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. What an interview. Jerry Springer, the man. The myth.
He really is the legend. Like I found myself just like lost in it. Like I was just like soaking up game, just cheesing. Like I was just so just like I I could have listened for for hours. Like I just wanted to have like a pastrami on rye, just like some deli We didn't talk about something. Speaking of food, I didn't even talk about something. All right, all right. But these people is pressing me in the Chicago bar stool, bro. Same what? Like, yeah, what's up, bro? You on wrong calling us fat, bro? What the fuck? Wrong said, I ain't gonna say who said it, but you guys know. We saw it. Oh, okay, we saw it. Yeah, yeah, we saw it. Right, you know, right, he's right, moving right. here. Not yeah. exactly, you know, your new co-workers be in the office. Not exactly nice. Not getting off on the right foot. Ah, <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Let's do it. You ready? What happened? He called you husky? Called, no. Well, it was kind of wrong. It was kind of like a trick. Yeah, trap. He trapped. Are the guys fat over there in that office or what? Husky. <laughs> little, little, little husky, you know, like a little, little bigger than normal people, but it's that Chicago girth, you know? Yeah, and wrong yeah. my homie. So you feel me? I can't leave my homie out there. In the, yeah, in, you can. I, I can't. Even if my we're homie's wrong. We're Chicago brethren. Yeah, I know, but we'll talk about it once we get home. Like, bro, you can't, you, you can't say that. You yes. feel me? Like, Do you want to apologize on behalf of Rome? Hell no. <laughs> you should. Uh, he, he, he wasn't wrong. But hey, thanks for the pizza and wings since we're Husky boys. Yeah. <laughs> Too early. First off, I asked if they were fat. And I, I, and I didn't even say yeah. I said Husky. I'm talking about like every guy like looking at me but like quick eye. Like they had like a, a meeting or something like before I walked in or some shit like like it F-A. wasn't the same vibes when I first walked when I first walked in this bitch. I ain't gonna lie. Damn. What you gotta do is just just say that it put it like put it on me. Like everybody knows I'm an no, asshole. I ain't gonna, you my man. You feel me? Then they like Yeah, but they know I'm an you, asshole, you sh- man. They, they like you should apologize. I'm like, damn, like they pressing me, wrong. Then I asked for like peace and wings. Like, yeah, of course you would ask for peace and wings with the fat guys. I'm <laughs> what? Bro, they on, should be grateful you that me. you're having some instead of them, bro. What the fuck? Then, then it's like, then it's like the skinny guy to the left. He's shaking his head like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> hey, man. Well, well, like, I, bro, I, no one's I, in here like with me recording, bro. Like they all walked out. Like they did. Bro, I don't think you. You think I'm fucking bullshitting you, bro? I'm dead serious. I'm in a fucking. You think I should feel bad? In. I guess I feel like, bad. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't think you feel bad, but like, yeah, you, you feel me? You go. No, no, I'm saying, should go, I feel go, bad? Like, I, you I, go I can send feel some bad. shots at somebody. You know, I'm, I'm in the trenches with these motherfuckers every day. Not you. You don't live here. You feel, you feel me? You, you live out there. I'm, I'm I gotta see these motherfuckers here every Monday. I walk in. They know a car I drive. Every yeah, shit's wild. <laughs> you just have like a fucking. Uh, your car broken into with like gravy stains on the handle, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> barbecue sauce packets emptied in the back seat and shit. Like we're the hot no, dog no. bandits, no, no. <laughs> we're the deep dish bandits. <laughs> Don't fuck with us, <laughs> bro. I I meant no hey. ill will. I I thought that we were just in like kind of a locker room environment where we could no. all poke fun. You know what I mean? Like I was I'm surrounded annoying. by like one husky guy, two huskies guy. A, a slim guy, a medium sized guy, and another slim guy, like surrounded. <laughs> and I'm looking at these motherfuckers like, yeah, I, I, I. What did you tell? Like, oh no, you guys aren't fat. Yeah, I, I, t- I said husky, and the second word I used after husky was start sturdy, sturdy, which is a good thing. That's like yeah. that has implications that they're like of good moral character, which I think they are. I think that they're also. Um, 
Midwestern nice. Like they're just nice guys. And I'm like, I'm an asshole. You know what I mean? Like I know I'm an asshole. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Philadelphia. Like people from Philadelphia, more assholes per capita in Philadelphia. So it's like Am I an asshole or no? Are you? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, first off, you're from okay. Chicago, so you have a Midwestern thing going for you. But, okay, but also, I haven't been to Chicago for okay, I understand that. Okay. But you have a you have a uh you're direct though. Okay. Don't you think? I agree with that. You're a direct communicator. You're like, okay, yeah, that that was yeah. bullshit. That sucked. Or like, yeah, if it's yeah, okay, you're right. Fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, no, nobody. No, you can't say that one. Um, yeah, I didn't say that one. Well, that, I'm saying you've said that to your teammates before. Like if a team when we have the tape, like if a teammate's getting a little bit heavy, you'll be like, hey, what is this? Because you're a direct communicator. Yeah, but I don't think I use fat. Right. You'll like grab their fat instead. <laughs> or or body skin. <laughs> right. Yeah, just a little or, body or be like, what's Or be like, what's that? Also, uh, yeah, what, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> My love language, though, is making fun of people. Like, I make no, fun of people one. that can that's handle not one. it. Huh? That's not one. You know, like, being funny has a lot to do with, like, uh, 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 like highly intelligence, too. Because you can make a joke and people understand it and it's not a joke. Now they think you're talking down on the motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So Yeah, so I think intelligence has a big thing to do with being funny. That's why, you know, I understand your jokes. You're a smart guy. No, you're a smart guy. That was my thing. That's what I was saying. Intelligence. You're an intelligent guy, so I understand. Uh, well, that's very nice of you. I, I do appreciate that. But I do value, like, if somebody is, like, smart as hell with some science stuff, but they're always missing jokes or they can't say something funny, it's like, okay, you have all that science smart. You might be able to solve some type of equation in your head. Yeah. But there's something missing. And I think the more well-rounded sense of humor or even Common. just being funny is more valuable. Yeah. Ain't no lie, I beat you. I, I, I beat you today. Actually, you know what? I beat, I beat Dave today too. <laughs> I beat him, and so I'm, I'm up one point, and I'm up one point on you today too. Fuck. We did the Jerry Springer thing, and I hit him with the Jerry. I have a friend of mine. Right. I beat you. You didn't. You didn't. And that was natural too. I didn't. I didn't think about that. That just came natural. I beat you to that because usually you're the one that like because he's you no. Know, he's a naturally he was supposed to be a problem solver. So right. I wanted to put him in positions to be able to problem solve. I talked I talk with someone right before the show about what we should do on the show. Like, I was like, hey, we're talking, me and Pat are about to talk to Jerry. This dude, Tommy Smokes, he asked you questions before. Uh, dull face, skinny wrist. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, yeah, I and, remember that guy. He said I couldn't join his uh, team. No, no, that was, this is another kid. Also, this, this dude also has. What's the, okay, stay on the story. Here we go. My bad. Um, well, he he just he was like maybe if you like brought up a situation that he could mediate between you and Pat or whatever. So you literally just beat me to the punch. Like yeah, I was yeah, like going to have one. But that's uh, what I said at first. That's what I, that's what I said. I had to get you back for it though. Right right afterwards, yeah. and then you had to get yeah. me back. And then by the time yeah. I was about to get you back, he was like, "All right, enough." <laughs> <laughs> like we was two kids in class and yeah. shit. <laughs> hey, but no, what's buddy name that don't didn't want me on this? Uh, that's uh, little Sasquatch. Yeah, fuck him. Yep. And tell him I said that, yeah, straight up. I'm on that with him now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's now he op. Now he went from like a cool dude to like right. what's to homie to like. Right. He op now. Now we find him in the game. Do, 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 do. Op, you op. I'm do, letting do, you do, know. Do, do. 
And I'm the guy who does like uh, the the finishing move at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bring dog out. Dog. Yeah. Okay. Ripping him apart and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's out for sure. I'm I'm, going to even join you on that one. He's op to me as well. Okay. Your op is my op. Exactly right. Um, we're we're in the same uh, in the same boat on that one. Um, you know, it's not like that in the streets. Oh, your op is my op. Oh yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be you, my friend. Whoever you don't like, I don't like. Whoever I don't like, what well, it's not like that. But Games it's really just whatever Jay Prince says. You definitely can't say that. <laughs> I'm on you Jay Prince's side. I'm saying that hey. I seed way to Jay Prince. Hey, listen. I had a phenomenal experience when I was in Houston. Phenomenal. Right. With the family, especially my my guy JR. JR, that's the junior. That was that's my man. You feel me? So like, I you know, it's always love, man. I'm always love. Like, like, like my man, man. So like, you know, whatever happens between, you know. You think that he plugged me in in Houston? Like, or do you think that I'm It wasn't even a plug, though. That's the thing. Like you got to think, like, I'm from a city that moves so fast. Chicago, it moves so fast, so fast, so fast. Like, these NBA guys, these, you know, rappers, football guys, these entertainment people, you know, they be walking these, you know, other people's city. Like, first off, I don't fuck who you is. I don't care who you is or what type of clout you got. Like, like you just can't walk in people's city and be popping your shit. That's just like some motherfuckers walked in Chicago. I got some homies. Somebody just walked in Chicago, just, you know, just doing a lot of extra shit. Like, it's different ways to move. You know what I'm saying? So when I go to these cities, like, uh, OG Genesis, I'm in Cali. I'm, You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm locked in on, like, real, like, 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 like people. So, like, I don't, I don't never had no, none of these issues. You feel me? But I don't never had no checking in issues because I don't really have issues. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's always love. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't no, like. I'm the same way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's always love. I see. I see. Junior, it's always love. Come on, man. Let's let's come on. Drink on me tonight. You know what you doing out there? Okay, cool. Link up. You know, I'm in OT Genesis. I'm in Cali. What's up, bro? What you here? I'm in your city, man. Thank you, man. Here, somebody. You you need a drink? You cool? I'm making sure niggas are straight. Man, they be going to getting out of hand, wrong. This stuff be getting out of hand for for the smallest things, man. No, I believe it. Um, it nah, seems like a fun lifestyle to live, though. Yeah, no, it's not a fun when people, you know. But I'm saying the good parts, like go out, get a drink, have different cities to go to, and high power people that you link up with in those cities. That seems right. fun. The extra oh, shit com- seems extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it comes with it. It comes with it. It's how this shit go. The NCAA tournament is about to start. Um, yeah. Do you have any teams nothing. that you think the, are good? I, the, the Arkansas. Yeah, they are pretty good, Ooh, huh? Pig say. Like You know how to call the hogs? What do they say? Ooh, <laughs> pig say. Ooh, pig say. Razorbacks. Yeah, you got to do the woo pig suey three times. Yeah. I think Arkansas Shout is about to, to have two dudes drafted in like the top 15 or something like that. I like hope the so. Most- I, hope like, so. I think they got some dudes. I fuck with Arkansas, man. It did me dirty though. I fuck with Arkansas. Yeah, I also fuck with them. Um, did you hear the story how they did me? Why didn't you ask? Why you why you have a follow back like did you? I they just do you, bro. I thought you were talking about the fact that you you the the whole uh, not wind, not finishing your school there. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. I wanted to finish school there, man. I, I love that damn school, man. You should go back. 
You think you would? I thought about it. I wanted to do it just to be like, I graduated college, you know. That's why I wanted to do it. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. If I gra- hey, listen, I, if I go back to school, graduate, you come to my, my graduation? Oh, what, dude? I'm going to be like the loud uncle. Just be like, hey, let's yeah. fucking go, pot. Just fucking like just <laughs> screaming drunk. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Please hold your applause till the end. Yeah, Fuck, I love that. Fucking yeah, screaming. That. I'll, I'll I definitely that. be there. Okay. Okay. The Say only less. thing you need to graduate college for at this point would be your profession, like pr- pride, really. Just like your own yeah. pride. It's not like you need a degree to do anything you'd ever want to accomplish. No. I still want to have it, though. Just make a fake one, bro. Like the Vax cards. That's what got me in trouble the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Got to learn from my lessons, Ron. <laughs> Got to learn from my lessons, man. Yeah, Just put it, having man. a fake diploma up on the wall. Hey, look. Hey, why I get a call from my cousin? She, hey, hey, uh, whatever happened between us, I'm sorry. Uh, damn, what happened? Yeah, because you yeah, put her on was, Front Street. People on, yeah, on, a, on the comments, like our most genuine comment section ever. Everybody's like, I'm sure it's just like the like family stuff that you'll be able to sort out. It is your work after all, Pat. Like people were like really taking that one seriously. Everyone else is like, Rhodes a bitch. Like every other post, like, <laughs> like this dude's a fucking idiot. Like but yeah. that one, they were, they were really compassionate towards us. Which yeah, I, which I appreciate I was nice. that. Cause yeah, that put her ass right, right back up. But she cool now. She cool. I think we're at like two, 200 on TikTok. Yeah. Happened pretty fast. You know what I mean? Like 80 on YouTube, you know what I mean? It's just happening pretty quick, pretty impressive. I mean, but it's us, though, you know, like you could have gave us, uh, uh, I don't know, the fucking cans with a rope at the end and we was <laughs> next to each other and it would have still been fire. You know what I'm saying? It's just us. Just us. Like with- he said, the best thing he said was genuine. Me and you are two genuine motherfuckers. We call it how it is. We tell our truth. As long as we do that wrong, to the moon we go, Batman. Facts. Love it. Appreciate you, bro. I gave Batman. Sometimes I could be Robin. Sometimes. I, I could be Alfred, bro. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll be Commissioner Gordon, dude. I don't give a fuck. And sometimes I could be Two-Face, too. You get me around some fat people. We'll I'll see, say some you mean go. stuff. You know what no, I mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't say that. Jerry said you can't. Jerry, Jerry hits you with the, well, why would he even say What type of person would even say anything like that? <laughs> And your face is like this. Because <laughs> I knew that not only did you get me, he was getting me. He was just telling me about myself to my face. He was like, yeah, like you're probably like a sad person if you're being mean yeah. to other people. Like, yeah. oh, okay, you're probably right about that, Jer. Appreciate you, bud. And you, can't, and, you, and you cannot disagree with Jerry. He's always right. He's always right. Like he's just within himself. He's been giving people advice and he's seen way worse people than me throughout his career. Like, he knows. He said, what, why, why are you pulling your friend's coattail? If you didn't have the four seats for him, you should just. <laughs> I should have just told you how to four. <laughs> Bro, the best. Oh, that was um, good. Subscribe to the pod. Subscribe, uh, please. We need it, guys. We're trying to listen. You see, it, my shit's not even ironed in the back anymore. They're about to turn on the lights. So we need it. Subscribe. Right, dude. If there's a gust of wind, the backdrop's about to blow away, bro. That looks you like the sail of a pirate ship right there, bro. We need See what happens when you talk about people? Look, they putting up my shit all type of ways. <laughs> yeah, nah, man, shit's wild, did, man. Bro. Yeah, That's bad. Like, what is yeah. that? A, 
Is that a mustard stain on? What the hell? <laughs> but uh, make sure relax, that relax, Ron. Relax. Everybody right. eats mustard. Um, that <laughs> make sure that you subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on TikTok, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. We are multi. Because if you don't, you're really a hater. No really lie. Because if you no, sir, no lie. Because if you don't, you're a hater, and that's like some personal agenda shit. If you don't follow us, because we. We're, you know, we're vibe. Everybody know that. And it costs Shit's you nothing. Too. And we give you, like, it's not, there, there should be some type of transaction. We're giving to you. No, you know it, what I mean? It costs you yeah, nothing to give back. That comes later, Ron. We'll get that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The Pat Bev Pod with Ron. We'll see you guys next week.